Hey everybody, welcome to Surface Level, creating a community where Black and queer folks are fearless in thought and curious at heart. I'm one of your hosts, Jordan, and today, Damon, Tony, and I are discussing the intersection of Black beauty and mental health. How does the lack of representation within the beauty industry impact Black people's mental health? Is society's emphasis on beauty doing more harm than help? This is Pretty Hurts. Yes. <laughs> like that, right? <laughs> Pretty Hurts. I, I knew you were going to sing it when I actually... <laughs> so, girls, <laughs> I'm very excited. I'm, I'm sure you are too, to... Mm -hmm. to, to introduce our guest for today with this episode so i'm going to give you a little bit of context and history so today's guest is a global makeup artist creative director and activist who's worked with some of the most notable faces in the world from naomi campbell and iman to mary j blige and serena williams oh and someone i'm sure none of our listeners have ever heard of before by the name of beyonce giselle knows carter who he's worked with since 2010. He has served as a global ambassador and creative director for L'Oreal Paris, has partnered with some of the most renowned brands in the world, such as Mac and Barbie, and his work has graced the covers of countless magazines. Today, we're excited to welcome our friend and a beautiful human being, both inside and out, Sir John, to our surface level family. Hey guys. Welcome. What's up? Thank you for having me. Welcome, welcome. 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 Hey oh my guys, goodness. So happy that you're here. We're gonna yes. get we're gonna get into some some beauty, some mental health. I love it. Um, but love before it. we get into you know that um, rather serious conversation, we're gonna do a little icebreaker so that our listeners can get to know you a little bit better. And love I thought that. it was appropriate for us to do a game centered around someone that we all know and love. Um, it's a game of this or that, and I'm calling it above and Beyonce. Above and Beyonce. <laughs> so I'm gonna give a scenario with two options and you're going to give me the option that you would pick. And okay. then I will love mm. for all, all three of you to answer. All right. I like this. Which film, Carmen, a hip hopera or the fighting temptations? Sir John, let's start with you. Pink Panther. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> that, that just suits me. <laughs> Um, <laughs> just like okay, Cadillac Records. Are we just going off? <laughs> it's funny we just watched uh, Fighting Temptations at my house the other day. Really? Yeah, it was randomly on YouTube. Oh, the full thing? Full movie. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say Carmen the Hip Hop or be just because you know the drama of it all. It's, <laughs> it's very over the top. So I'm gonna go with that one just because it's fun. You know, it's very camp. Okay. <laughs> but Demond, did you answer, or is Cadillac Records your Cadillac Records is the thing? <laughs> oh, okay. So we just all go, we go, we all going off script. We're going. Road. What about you, Jordan? Um, Carmen the Hip Hopera okay. for sure. That um that movie really um touched me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it did. It left a huge imprint on me. Um, all right. Which career stunt? VMA pregnancy announcement or surprise album drop? Oh, definitely. I mean. Definitely the surprise album drop. I remember we were on the tour bus. I believe we were in Australia at the time and we, just, we were just counting down. You know, we were just leaving the show, just counting down so we knew it was happening, like drum roll, blah, 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 blah. And then everybody got silent because our phones were going off. And so <laughs> then the world changed. <laughs> wow. The world definitely stopped. Um, it sure did. I'm going to say the album. 
Okay. I remember, like, I woke up in the middle of the night, saw it happened. Everybody was talking about Partition. So I went to watch and listen to that one video and song, and I was just like, I can't be up with you all night. And I remember having to turn it back off. Oh my <laughs> so the next day, I was like, I've had enough. I'll be up all night, and I got to go to work tomorrow. It was so strange because, <laughs> well, work was canceled the next day, first of all. But I, I woke up. It was like one of those things where it was like you slept through the um, earthquake. <laughs> I was asleep, and I woke up, and I obviously I checked my phone, and then I immediately go to Apple Music. Yeah, and then I just started watching the whole thing, and I, I could not not watch it. <laughs> so I was up, and I for the however long <laughs> the album is, and then the next day, work was given very much of like... Beyonce's album just came out. Don't talk to me. Fuck this job. <laughs> this, it, right. I, I would say the album. Mine too. <laughs> I think that the album dropped right after the 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 scandal season finale. Oh. I, I remember I had some friends over and mm. the season finale happened. We're all talking about the season finale, and mm-hmm. then somebody was just like, "Beyonce has a new album." <laughs> no one believed it because that at that point we weren't doing surprise drops no. <laughs> we were doing rollouts right. so that's what we were doing <laughs> yeah. no i'm, I'm agreeing yeah. Yeah. all Good right <laughs> all right which lead single run the world or single ladies oh single ladies all day yeah i i would say single you know when run the world when single ladies came out it was very i was like what is this slow burn and then it came then i got into it when run the world came out though i was like i wish it was um end of time Mm. right like Mm -hmm. i I was like that should have been the lead single so i'm gonna say single ladies because it's just so iconic the video actually did the did what needed to be done right formation Nope. Next question. <laughs> that yeah. one, you know what? Actually, yeah, 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 for sure. I, I have that, that's the answer. I don't know what question you asked, but that's I the do. answer. No, <laughs> no, the answer is definitely single ladies. I'm, I'm, I'm scared of what single ladies would have done if TikTok was out at that time. Oh wow, <laughs> single ladies was TikTok. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Right? It was TikTok. It would have. Whew. We would have been all doing it. Well, we already were. <laughs> they were. Um, all right. Which Super Bowl halftime performance? 2013 or 2016? 13. I was there on the field in 2016. So that was a moment. We were in San Francisco. I'll never forget it. Um, but I wasn't there. So 2013 was before my time um, at the camp. But I just remember being like a fan, watching it, and just like, like, I'm a huge, I was a huge, 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 massive, massive fan of this woman since God knows when. So I remember when Charlotte Tilton, I used to assist for a super long time, introduced me to her at Tom Ford's first women's wear show in 2010. I was like, you mean like, you want me to do what? (laughs) 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 Um, So yeah, I had to get her together, Daphne Guinness, uh, Julianne Moore. I remember I met Joan Smalls that day. Oh, that show. Yeah, yeah. It was really, it was really, it was really good time. That's a cool show. It was like a moment in time. Like Beyonce walked in the yeah, show. Baby. Julie and Moore walked. They like walked in the show. They weren't just like at the show. Really? Yeah. So she got dressed. Girls now. <laughs> yeah. She got dressed in Tom Ford's office. I'll never forget. I remember seeing Julius, this huge handsome man, uh, <laughs> you know, at the door. And then um, I met Neil, who was curling each each curl hand by hand, like you know, my trend daddy brother, <laughs> glam. And so yeah. Yeah, I, I, the, the 2013 moment was Hello, such a, a must, like appointment yeah. viewing, must see TV. We yeah. gathered all together. 
Um, and we, we uh, I think we all kind of just like melted yeah. and screamed and all the emotions all at once. It was, it was, it I was, also prefer concerts in the, in the nighttime. Conference in the night. Right. Was like, it was like a, it was, the sun was high in the sky. It was a matinee. <laughs> it was a matinee. <laughs> <laughs> the sun was, was definitely It was up. golden hours. California's golden hour, actually, right. which was really, really difficult uh, to do, you know, a show and make the look because you know you have certain shadows that hit the face or hit the you know hit everyone differently than they do at night i love a night performance because you get the spotlight yeah. gives you that mm-hmm. you know that situation you need mm-hmm. <laughs> um all right two more which no. album four or lemonade 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 <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a, I, I, I don't. Four has a hold a special place in my heart. Four is a very because I'm an R and B girl, and that's her. That's mm-hmm. you know that's, that's the... her. So I'm gonna just go ahead and say four. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say four too. That really, um, that really sent me. Yeah, I think. Yeah. What's the song that I love? Um, it's not care. I, I care. care is my. It was like my favorite. And when she Beyonce performs song. that, when she yeah. did that at Coachella, the vocal into the guitar string. Girl. <laughs> just turn it off. Just turn it off. All right. <laughs> Which Renaissance feature, Big Frida or Grace Jones? Grace Jones. Well, Frida's not a feature. I know, but like, <laughs> bear with me. Grace Jones. <laughs> Grace Jones. There are no more answers. <laughs> I'm gonna say Grace Jones because if I don't, demo- I'm gonna t- demo- snatch my- your mic off. <laughs> I'm gonna say Pure Honey. Mm. Get your game together. Everybody's what? just all over the place. Listen, listen. We just going rogue today. It's fine. We going rogue. <laughs> break oh, the rules. Break, break the rules because you won't break our soul. <laughs> no, you know, actually, I think, and also the Queen's remix, which uh, she she remixed the oh, Madonna's the break- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. Madonna's never done a remix uh, with you know anyone else. It was just it was that was a great track. I love Vogue. So yeah, dope. that was a pleasant surprise. I wasn't expecting that. Mm-hmm. I was just like, ooh, another gift. Um, <laughs> yes. I was going to say Big Frida just because like, yatta, 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 yatta. yes, <laughs> yes, screaming. Um, all right. And Sir John, this is the last question um, in this section, and it doesn't have to be Beyonce related. What are you curious about? Hmm. I'm curious to know what, what do you want if you have to really think about what's one takeaway that you want your audience to to uh, consume or, or be filled with uh, with your voices because of your voices, each one of you guys. Oh, oh what? this is the no, first. This is the first. This, this, is, the first. this, is, this is a oh, actual yeah, a net new experience on the show. Okay, y'all wanna one of y'all wanna take it first? I'll go first just so because you girls might take my answer. I what I my hope is that people can feel seen. Um, and, and feel less alone in the world. That's really what I hope. And that people somehow get courage to stand in their truth and live in their truth and be able to experience the, the level of freedom that I've been so blessed to experience through standing in my truth. Love. Um, I hope people are encouraged to break every fucking rule they've ever been told and realize that there are none. Mm-hmm. I want um, our audience to see the power of community and see us be able to have a conversation on the show, disagree, agree, share vulnerabilities, respect each other, maybe get a little, you know, rat tat tat with each other, <laughs> and then still it's all love at the end of the day. Um, and I think seeing that and being able to take that and replicate that. Wow. Yeah. That's beautiful, guys. 
Wow. Okay. All right, Sir John. He's shaking it up. All right. So wait one second. It's hot as fucking here. You hot? Are y'all hot now? I think I was, it's because I'm wearing suede. I unbuttoned my shirt. You still hot? <laughs> I'm the fine. It's, it, it's heat it. Heat it. Heat it. <laughs> For the Thank first you, time, I'm not. The <laughs> only thing about this, though, is that when the AC comes on, it always shakes my camera. <laughs> that's, that's true. I'll have it on the So now I gotta sweat. You gotta out. sweat because I can't be sitting over here, you know. <laughs> yeah. Do an off the shoulder moment. You good for that? <laughs> this is my look. <laughs> All right. Keep going. You good? I'm sure. Okay. She's melting. <laughs> All right. So let's get into the conversation, Sir John. Um, the first question being that black men don't often feel attached to the word beauty. And mm -hmm. I wanted to know growing up, have you ever intentionally distanced yourself from the concept mm -hmm. of beauty? Well, you know, listen, I grew up in Buffalo, New York, and it was, it, it's, it was rough buff. <laughs> it's tough up there, you know, and I moved to New York city when I was 18. Um, I, I didn't necessarily distance myself from beauty, but I think that, um, just in general, being an artist in in in, a, in an area in an urban area wasn't, and I was six foot two, and I was like wearing a size thirteen shoe, and I was like eleven. So everyone was like, "Why don't you play ball? Why aren't you athletic?" You know, what it was. So that was kind of more something I was trying to not recover from, but find myself, you know, in artistry. Um, but I don't think I ever tried to run. I did, that's not why I tried to run away from beauty. <laughs> I tried to leave makeup a couple times, and it just kept coming back to me um, in different ways. But because I was trying to, you know, it's it's like when you're young and you're creative, we're the first generation to normalize being creative. We're the first generation to normalize mental wellness, you know? And so you're, you're looking around trying to feel your way through the wilderness. It's almost like Wi-Fi. You know it's there, but sometimes you just can't capture it. So I think early in my career, I was just basically just trying to find myself and do what I needed to do to, um, to align, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean... I don't, that question's interesting because I never thought about beauty. Um, <laughs> I just wasn't. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I never really uh, kind of sat back and was like trying to run away from the, the concept of beauty and what that means. And so I, it's, it's, um, I don't know. It's what about you guys? Like, has that been something? Like, have you thought about were you, it? Were you running, babe? Because I, I couldn't. I was looking at this question too. I was like, I don't know. I mean, I, I was thinking about one specific thing. Mm -hmm. So I think that obviously, what I would see growing up is that little girls are always sort of like taught to aspire to beauty. Mm -hmm. You know, beauty standards are put on them. Um, I think that boys typically have a little bit more freedom. And mm -hmm. don't have to feel attached to that word. They can roll around in the mud and do things that aren't deemed beautiful. Um, I'm thinking about one specific situation where I was in middle school and I started getting a lot of attention from the girls um, from mm. my eyelashes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And with that positive attention from girls, the guys started making fun of me um, mm -hmm. because of that. And so I had this, I was in this weird crossroad where I was just like, the girls are making me feel beautiful, and the guys are making me feel gay. I'm, I'm your RDM. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> He's like, but I want attention from the boys. It didn't help the allegations, is what, <laughs> is what I'm saying. And so I actually I actually cut my eyelashes off. Oh, my God. When, I was, middle, when I was in middle school. Child, the sun was burning through. <laughs> and Magic. I mean, yeah, I thought that that was like the, that was one time where I was just like, you know, I, I felt like me sort of embracing things that are typically considered beautiful mm -hmm. yeah um yeah. sort of 
made people label me more feminine and as a result like sexually non-heterosexual yeah which i wasn't trying to deal with in middle school well when and you so you actually yeah that actually is um it does bring me back to my adolescence and when i was younger like i was on a step team and i was surrounded by girls and they always thought i was pretty tony and I, I had similar experiences. Like I thought, I loved the the, the admiration and the adoration <laughs> from the girls, um, and it did, I guess, make guys. Maybe they were jealous, you know. They were given very much of like the girls are on him, and mm -hmm. you know he must be one of the girls. Now I'm gonna, <laughs> and I'm just giving. <laughs> okay, is that your your backwards way of like making yourself feel better? I guess. Um, but yeah, that was that was yeah. a moment. <laughs> okay. but, but guess what? Those guys. I just I have a saying for that. It's like, guys, listen. I used to get more girls on accident than these guys got on purpose. So I understood. <laughs> I understood. Like, no, you know perfect. why? <laughs> you hate me. That, you know what I mean? Like, but it's all good. No, I actually no. I'm joking, but I'm not. I kid. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm joking. No, I'm not. I feel like we probably all have experienced that because we probably, on top of actually carrying ourselves a certain way, probably respect. <laughs> respected women a bit more <laughs> True. Um, yeah, so that makes a difference as well and you know attracting just human beings in general yeah. um all right so we just kind of talked about this a little bit but many people view the beauty industry as inherently feminine um mm -hmm. sir john as you were sort of maturing into your own queer identity um did you have any reservations about pursuing a career in beauty so like i, I guess coming more mm -hmm. to in, like your adult life and you know, really going forward with that career. Yeah, you know what, guys? I've always I've been really soon as soon as I came out to my mom and at nineteen, <laughs> I was okay. I was really comfortable. Uh, like I didn't know any other way, so I didn't. You know, and and also I was in New York City, and it's a very creative space. So I didn't. I wasn't like in a small town and having to like worry about what the family monocles and these guys thought. So no, I just ran with it. I didn't. I didn't have any. I didn't care. I just. But I, it never occurred to me to to that it was that it was something that I shouldn't embrace, you know, or just in, in who I am. Also, I love the fact that I'm supremely feminine and masculine at the same time. And I, I really like that about myself and other people. So um, I just never shied away from making people feel beautiful. And so for me, beauty is not so, so much how what you see. Beauty is a feeling. So it's not so much about how you look. It's about how you feel about who you are, you know, how you show up for yourself. Um, and what you see that, you know, reflected back daily. So that's beautiful. Beautiful is like, you know, the impression that you leave on people, how you leave a room, how you impact a space, um, mm -hmm. what people say about you when you're not around. So when I think about beauty, I don't necessarily think about the application of makeup as, as much as I think about how uh, it moves the needle for people emotionally inside. Yeah, I think. I'm, oh. No, I'm, um, well, I don't want to cut you off if because I'm also another question I have on that is going since you came out at 19 and you're you were you're cool with your your mom and didn't have that to worry about. I'm wondering with the career of going into beauty and doing makeup, was there a reservation around like how are you gonna make money doing that? Like, oh my god, I feel like in, in black communities, there's like yeah. you need a real job. Um, yeah, <laughs> guys, I'm the oldest of three, you know, and so uh. I've been sending money back home since I was a shorty, since I had a first, my first job. You know, I just always really wanted to have the best mom. You know, she had me when she was 17. And so we grew, basically kind of grew up together. And so I just wanted to make sure that I was carving out some kind of something for my, my family and my brother and my sister. But uh, I don't think that they didn't believe it was, I, I, no one really thought I was working <laughs> until I think like they saw me on television or something like that. A lot of my family. My mom knew. <laughs> 
but it wasn't until Instagram came out and like, I forgot what year that was, uh, that they were like, oh, wow. Okay. I see what you're doing. Like, this is actually pretty cool. Um, mm -hmm. and then I had a, a contract with L'Oreal Paris and I just happened to be on their TVs all the time. <laughs> so <laughs> they started to see it in real time. And, and then, um, the, and then everything just kind of started happening really, really fast, you know, but I've been hustling for a very long time. So I've been at this since 2000, 2001, when I, I don't hustle any longer, but I've been, you know, <laughs> Yeah, and I also think like when we're talking like to Tony's point, when your family's like, well, you need to get a real job. I remember when I first saw my mom was like, Mama, figure it out. I'm gonna work in fashion. <laughs> and my mother, the words literally that came out of her mouth were, "We did not spend all that money for you to go to Howard to fold sweaters for a living." Expensive <laughs> <laughs> sweaters. And then like, I don't even fold sweaters. No. But like, and I think that's a two problem. No shade to the right. sweater folders. I think there's this idea for around service industries that like, as Black people, like you think about. The, the concept of like the help or things that like our grandmothers mm. and grandparents had to do. So therefore the idea of a good job is something that isn't involving like physically helping people in a way. And I think that's the mm. thing that we kind of have to destigmatize. I think that, that there's still a lot of honor and value in that type of work as well. Yeah. And there are whole other parts of these industries. Like I've always worked in corporate retail. I've never worked in a store and like there are whole parts of it that are connected to like, people that have degrees, they're parts of it connected to people that just like work through the ladder in a store. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it, it's a thing that we often don't, or at least our parents, mom, at least maybe it's just my mom, but just did not necessarily <laughs> understand. I still feel like even, <laughs> even you, you can tell them a million times over and you still might get a text. So where you work again? Right. And what is it that you do? Which department is people it? People will be like, you work at Ralph Lauren, right? I haven't worked at Ralph Lauren <laughs> in like, Eight. I, I also it's funny i've worked a bunch of places and i love when i work somewhere where like my family knows what it is yeah but that's another mm -hmm. thing too where they feel like when i worked at ralph i was like an assistant buyer and they were like my son works at ralph floor <laughs> versus Very like i was the director of global merchandise at theory they were like he worked at some little place that sells some oh, things no. oh, listen there's, not, there's nothing better than the, the parents know know the place because then right. they become proud mary <laughs> they're gonna brag on you and tell everybody yeah, I think that it, I mean, I think that it comes down to exposure. I think that I had a very, not I think, I know I had a similar experience when I was filling out college applications. I actually put fashion down as my um, major as well. And mm. we had to change that to business. <laughs> and um, I think that to Sir John's point, our generation is doing a lot of work to normalize creative careers. Mm -hmm. And I think that at least for my family, they didn't know what the path was for these things. Like they were directing me in the best way that they knew how based off of what they seen other success look like. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that in their mind, when they see the few people who get, you know, who achieve success from doing these creative careers are just like, what are the odds, Jor? Let's be realistic, Jor. Like, and so, yeah, we, I mean, Kudos Being to everybody. Real, realistic for, way to kill a dream. Listen, okay. Oh parents, God. parents do what they feel like is the best decision. Um, but in that in that instance, I knew best. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sir John, let's talk about this. This a there's a sort of a thought process that many men have around wearing makeup and thinking that you know it'll make you feel less masculine. Um, you know, the cosmetic industry has been promoted as a means to really enhance what's already there. And so for those of us who might be interested in getting started and wearing a little makeup, what tips would you have yeah. for well, beginners? Is, <laughs> makeup for dummies. Yeah. <laughs> <For> pedestrians. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know what I would say, though, is that, you know, I understand how men can feel, you know, 
isolated or mar like this is a completely novel direction and they feel comfortable with. I get it. I understand. And that also really comes back from a place of like toxic masculinity and these stereotypes and tropes that we upheld for such a long time, especially if there's so much machismo and, and things like that in the black Hispanics community. But guess what? If you watch the football game, the commentators have makeup. If you watch today's show, CNN, show, if you, <laughs> any, any, <laughs> any of those things, you know what I mean? The Super Bowl, the, you know, those guys are, you know, they, they, they're groomed. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, men, we, we, I always tell my, my lady friends or, you know, my girls that guys, you have so many options. Men don't have the options. Like, you know, if we have a pimple, we were just told to own it. You know, if we have dark circles, we were just told to own it. That's why I'm also really, really, um, I like to, I love breaking down these, these stereotypical, like conventional things that like, oh, men shouldn't moisturize. Men don't need eye cream. No, we do. They get, guys actually have the, the most expensive taste. Like a lot of my friends, all of their husbands go right for the most expensive eye cream in the jar or, you know, or whatever that looks like. I think that we should allow men to feel safe um, uh, taking care of themselves. It's self-care. Self-care is not selfish. Um, and also, you know, as you become a bit more mature, I don't want to say older. Um, I'm a little older than you guys. <laughs> I just turned 40. Um, and, you know, what you want to also think about is, hey, maybe I need a little scaffolding. <laughs> maybe I need a little Botox or a little filler at one point, you know. I'm really, really open about those kind of things as well. And I've talked about that like at length. And we should just feel safe giving ourselves as much, uh, any kind of vehicle to make ourselves feel a little bit more whole. And so it's not always about what you see, it's about how you feel about what you see. Mm -hmm. So imagine imagine that I have like- <laughs> Makeup on? And, okay. Well, no, not today because not today. I'm actually beat today. Thanks, Tony. <laughs> um, <laughs> every day, all day. I do want to say like, you want to think about something if you if you're looking like okay what can i do what do i need mm -hmm. i think you, what what do you when you see when you look in the mirror what's already working what do you love about what you see you know and that's one thing i always talk to dermatologists about like i have a contract with allergen pharmaceuticals so i went around the u.s and talked to all these derms and plastic surgeons about how not to homogenize and make everyone look alike so ask instead of asking what don't you like ask your clients you know what's working what do you love so and then you'll you won't look at your you know the glass half empty um, and then if you feel like, hey, man, uh, maybe I need a little, a little bit more well-rested or something like that, then maybe opt for a concealer. Maybe opt for, you know, juicing kale. Kale has 650% of vitamin K, which is great for sluggish complexion. Um, a lot of times if you see dark circles, all that is is lack of circulation or hydration, you know? So sometimes it's not just about the makeup. It's about what am I ingesting? How am I taking care of myself? You know, beets are really great. I don't like to eat beets, but I juice them because it detoxifies your blood. You know, carrots are great because they increase cell turnover. All of these things act impact your your complexion as a whole you know and then oh. a concealer helps <laughs> I, I love that because we asked for beauty tips and you told us to get a juicer and i love that because i actually love beet juice it's i mean minute. i know you don't like it or you you're not I a like fan beet but like juice. i, I love just had beet a cocktail juice. with beet juice before we got here did you yeah I went to... well yeah i mean listen i'm, I'm thinking about because I'm, I'm really thinking about if i'm a pedestrian. I'm trying to do my my first makeup moment. Like, Am I going on YouTube and looking at and trying to do myself, or do I walk up to Sephora and say, "Ma'am, <laughs> do me. Give me a little concealer. Show me how to apply it." You know that stuff. I'm, I'm, that's why I feel like I never would do it because I don't. I feel like I just wouldn't know how to put I it just, on my face without it being like, "Girl, I just want the girl to go." Not, <laughs> not that. I want it's on your face. I see it. It's, I shouldn't I see want, it. I, to have I want a natural beat. I used to have a huge fear, right? Of looking like i had makeup on like even as a makeup artist so we, when you're talking about running away from beauty the one thing i was not comfortable with is is putting it on myself i, I had to get really comfortable in that space doing television and stuff like that kind of normalizes that space for me but 
and I was, you know, and I, so that's the phobia I had, I guess, if, when I'm thinking about what you said more often, but maybe possibly for most guys, it's especially black men or black and Hispanic men, you know, uneven pigmentation. So if you see, you know, maybe your skin is discolored in certain areas, whatever that looks like, go and get a little foundation. You don't have to use it everywhere. We get something like, you know, to give yourself a little love in certain areas, maybe, possibly. You don't have to lacquer everywhere, but give yourself a little bit of coverage where you need it. And possibly bringing your brows back. As we get a little bit older, our brows start to thin out. You know, if you look at baby pictures of yourselves, mm. your brows are big and your lashes, Jordan, like, you know, I remember when you were 22, your, la your lashes are big. <laughs> Like, you don't have until you're a lashes anymore, baby. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> no, no, but, um, but I want to say that, you know, so bringing some of that love back into the, you know, bringing some of that attention to the hair, uh, our mustache, our, you know, our lashes, our, our brows, that kind of really adds to masculine beauty. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Give myself so a, little cute, a little clear mascara. I want the girls to look dewy. Yeah. Not, not no, Glossier has one called brow. <laughs> Glossier called Boy Brow, Boy Brow by Glossier. It's so easy. It doesn't look like makeup. It just gives you, makes your brows Ooh. a little more dense. Cubano look, you know, after you finish. Um, <laughs> Come on now. Yes. I'm going to go to the one in Soho. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you know what? We're going to have to do a part two with Sir John when you're actually, like, you know, beating our faces. <laughs> the natural beat. That's what I, that's what I really want. Um, natural beat. So, uh, any any anything else to add? No. Before we move on to the next question, <laughs> girls, <laughs> like, free tips, free tips, <laughs> more free tips. So, Sir John, we want to interrogate something you said in the past, and you you said that okay. beauty is a vehicle for wellness, and we're wondering, does that thinking place too much weight or importance on physical appearance? Hmm. So, so I think you possibly misquoted me, and that's okay. okay. But I do say that beauty is a feeling. So, beauty is a feeling, and when I say that. Um, it's not so much a vehicle to wellness. Uh, when I think about wellness, I think there's a spectrum and it's not just about in our internal wellness, but it's our mental wellness. Mm -hmm. How much, you know, do we, does whatever we do, does it move the needle emotionally for us inside? So I like to do the temperature check. I'd like to check in with myself throughout the day, all day. It's like, you know, happiness is like hunger. And so you're not going to be hungry all day, but you're going to, there are going to be pockets of hunger. And that's how I look at happiness. So, and Beauty doesn't have anything to do with it, but if I smell good, I feel a little better. I know when I have a shave, I look, I like it. You know, if you pass a building, some people feel like I'm not affected by beauty at all. I know so many people, my agent or, you know, people, so many men, so many women even. But if you're having a good hair day, it affects your mental health. If you are walking down the street and you actually like the way your, your clothes appear, if your skin is having a really good radiant day, if you have, if you leave, uh, you know, leave vacation and you're liking your tan, all of those little things, you know, they, they're little pockets or little, you know, helpers on your emotional journey. So when I think about how does beauty impact your wellness, um, it goes back to that feeling of, do I like what I see when I, when I, when I show up for myself? Yeah. Do I like I, how I feel? I, I think something important about what you're saying is, I think everything is about like if the, the spirit in which you're doing it. Like if you're doing something mm -hmm. because it makes you feel good, if it makes puts a little more happiness in your day. I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think mm -hmm. where the criticism sometimes comes is like, if I'm doing all of my beauty, the things I'm doing for myself to impress for you, validation yeah. or to show up a certain type of way in whatever space I am, but to, the, the validation of other people. And I think that's the difference. And I think that logic can be applied to so many things. Like you have to look at the spirit in which, it, which and why you're doing a thing. Yeah. One of the things that's that, that, that struck me, that's what John just said was that there are so many people who they'll say like, they don't care about beauty, just like with any industry. I don't care about clothes. I don't care about this. I don't care about that. But they don't realize how much they actually, their lives are impacted by. The girls are giving 
that thing that they say they don't care about. Oh, I you, see. You don't think you that think this... you don't think that has anything to do with you. Very <laughs> double worst product. You remember she's like this stuff. You know that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. You pick out this lumpy, lumpy. blue sweater. <laughs> you want to tell the world you don't care not, about what you put on your back. That's not, that's cerulean. <laughs> live for that scene but that's exactly that, that is that applies yeah. to to so many different things mm-hmm. um even mm-hmm. in like with marketing you know jordan we we do we that's our career and people don't realize that almost everything that you consume or see is a form of marketing and you're you're a part of the system um that you you're in it but not of it you're in it but not of it. <laughs> <laughs> and also you know guys i think that you know as we look at the word beauty it's it's t- typically it's seen as a feminine thing i remember i used to get in trouble for playing with barbies you know by my dad and I, and then i start working with barbie <laughs> um later on, okay full circle moment that's a flex <laughs> <laughs> um, but i i do feel that you know it's about like you know it's just really about taking care of yourself you know showing up for yourself showing up for yourself if we're, if we're truly in a, a different direction than what beauty the space that it occupies we wouldn't care you wouldn't you know you would let your body go you wouldn't care how you show up you know and it's supremely unseductive to yourself i want to love on me you know what i mean and what that looks like is you know listen i want all these little small things to make me feel good that's why i'm sitting in a velvet red room or like you know what i mean <laughs> a driver i have like you know i got you know my the car i have or whatever that looks like these things they they're they're slight they're comforts they're little buffers if you will and i'm trying to buffering i'm, I'm basically trying to get to the highest point i can uh, on my emotional journey every single day. And so whatever that looks like, as long as it's not like, you know, alcohol or drugs or things like that, even though I do love an herbal refreshment, guys, I live in Los Angeles now. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I think a lot of our show and talking to you is about a journey to something. So we want to take it back. We've obviously highlighted a lot of the main accomplishments of your career, but let's go back to the beginning. Um, so it wasn't all comprised of world tours, magazine covers, all these things, but early in your career, you did makeup at a strip club to afford work, uh, it, and did free work for editorial pro- projects, come on fashion industry. What are you doing to create more opportunity for aspiring black and queer artists within the industry? And what advice would you have to people starting out and what, uh, tips on paths they can take to kind of get where you are? Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, guys. So shout out to Riviera's and Astoria and Queens. You know, <laughs> I used to definitely uh, did makeup and for like four years. Um, I had to do that because I working as an editorial assistant. I was assistant for Pat McGrath, assistant for Charlotte Tilbury for a long time. And, you know, you made like a hundred dollars a day. It was like feed the children. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I just remember I need, but a lot of people who were working had parents who could bankroll. Like that's why there was, the industry was so white. I saw no people of color back, back then. Mm. Um, because, you know, they were bankrolled, you know, who, who if they could yep. intern, all the interns who were at Condé Nast or at Hearst, whatever that looked like, they didn't have to work. I had to work. Um, so I did that and I, you know, I would basically, you know, take a nap, get up and do the same thing the next day, but it gave me resilience. It, it allowed me to have a bit more speed. Um, and I, I love people. I love, I'm only here guys because of people, you know, mm. and every, there's so many people who do amazing makeup. There's so many people who do really great hair, great styling but they're not a joy to be around, you know, you, I, you need to become a destination of energy, you know? And so the way people, you make people feel is what they remember, you know, they'll campaign for you. They'll fly you, whatever they, they'll, they li- literally will, you know, have your back when you make them feel something, you know? And so as, as long as I'm connected to the feeling and make people feel something that's going to separate me from a lot of other people. And I always tell younger creatives that I just did masterclass.com. And I talked a lot about that journey, you know? So 
to your question, to your question, how would I a younger? I mean, sorry, what would I tell a younger person to stand out is to do, know your references, know know where we came from, you know, have an eye toward the past, um, and it'll give you, it'll inform your conversations, it'll form the references that you pull, you know, you'll have a, something to add to a conversation, which is really, which doesn't happen any longer. Um, but I'm trying to think things that I've done that would open spaces for other people. So I work with Beam. Uh, black emotional and mental uh, health. And so I'm always about talking to our community about how we feel, you know, and just making sure that we are doing the che temperature check, if you will, and checking in with ourselves. Um, and beauty has been a vehicle for me to have that platform and have that conversation. Also, I work with Black Beauty Roster. Shout out to Black Beauty Roster. Um, and I even hosted their their first summit this year. I gave Sam Fine a Lifetime Achievement Award. And so for me, it's like, you know, all, everything I do is activism. Yeah. So I'm the, I remember 2020 has really allowed me to use my voice in a way where I'm not even doing as much makeup. I just, my voice is my gift, you know? So mm. making sure that whole brand's accountable, you know, L'Oreal or Estee Lauder or whatever that looks like. I'm not afraid to lose a contract or a license in Dilby because I want to speak up for, you know, black rights or black people. Whenever you speak up for blackness, it's seen as anti-American. And I think that we, has, we should no longer um, feel that way. So I'm always using my voice and a platform for uh, for us and, and a younger generation. Even making sure, like, I remember a couple brands needed some people to do product development. I'm plugging my people. I'm plugging assistants. I have, I, I'm just leaving, I should say this, I can say this, I'm leaving L'Oreal. <laughs> I left for a really big thing and I put people in that role, you know, and, I, and so behind me. So it's not like, um, I don't believe in, I came up in the generation, I'm sorry, in fashion where people were happy being the only black person in the room. And that for me is not okay. I, I also advocate for a multicultural set. So my whole thing is I don't have a writer, but if the <laughs> set I'm working on, whether it be masterclass.com, you know, Genesis, the car commercial I just did, whatever that looks like, I need a, a multicultural set or I just, or I leave. Wow. I love that. It's, it's, that must feel amazing to get to a place where you said like, you were like, I'm not even doing that much makeup anymore. I get to, you get to mm -hmm. live in your activism. You get to use your voice to help the community and that to me is like what i would love to, for, for my life <laughs> right that's like really what I, I but i think each of us aspire to to be able to do that and i love what you said about just it costs you nothing to be nice mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and so why not be nice yeah. to and everyone so many people get to a certain level in their career success whatever it is and then they think I can be this way i can be bitchy and nobody's gonna say anything or all these things. it's just like what, what there's no value in that there is yeah. no and value. and yeah, just treat people with respect. Sir John, I actually have a question in terms of like, I know you use a platform a lot to speak up um, for social social justice. I wanted to know if there was a certain point in your career where you felt more comfortable. I think that mm. there we we've had conversations um, this season where we've sort of interrogated um, respectability politics. And okay. understanding that you were sort of working, not sort of, you were working in an industry that was predominantly white and in many cases, the only black person on set. Um, was there like a turning point in your career where you felt like even being like vastly outnumbered that you could speak up and have these opinions wow. that will probably go against, you know, the grain of stakeholders that you were working with? Yeah. That's so deep, man. So I remember when I remember when there before George Floyd, there was Eric Garner got, you know, choked uh, in New York. This was years ago. And this is only Instagram wasn't even a thing. It was just Twitter. And I remember I just got the post at L'Oreal and, and I just remember talking to a few people, uh, my contemporaries who were editors, black women. I'm like, guys, 
I want to, you know, at the time I walked to Grand, Grand Central Station and I laid out, that was how we processed it at the time uh, with mm-hmm. my brother on, remember, I don't know if you remember those years mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I couldn't talk about it. And I just, I didn't feel, I didn't feel empowered enough to use my voice because I just thought, oh shit, I'm going to lose everything. I can lose, I'm at jeopardy of, you know, in that space that was programmed to think. And also, you know, the business kind of, it did, it did make, it, it did a job on me if I didn't, if I wasn't footed in who I was or put it in my blackness, you know, it made me think, do I need to have a European partner to seem interesting do, or to get ahead or whatever it looks like? Um, but no, no, not at all. Um, I think that I know for sure 2020, 2019, um, after, after a while, uh, you become really footed and anchored and knowing some, nothing can be taken away from you. Um, and my whole thing is this, I, I want to use my voice, but I need to make sure that it translates well. I don't want to assimilate, but I need to translate. And so what that looks like is it, you know, it's, it's easier to learn about racism than experiencing it. And so my whole thing is as long as I'm advocating for all of us in the most, in the most eloquent way possible, you're going to listen, you know, you're going to want to hear what I have to say. Um, so, and I think that whenever you do have a post, a platform, a room, and someone wants to hear your opinion, even if they don't, um, you know, you need to speak up and you, and you and advocate for not just yourself. It's easier to advocate for others than sometimes yourself. Um, but so to answer your question, I think 2020 was definitely a turning point for me that I was like, oh, we here. <laughs> this is it. This is it. And it feels good. And I, I, I was so, I was, it felt so, I was so free. Um, and since that point, I think we all, it was a turning point for all of us to feel freedom. Uh, and in advocating and uh being an alliance and an ally for ourselves and our communities and also and also talking to our white contemporaries and our white counterparts about what allyship looks like you know what is what it really looks like to show up for other people listen i'm always i've always been an advocate and an ally for women um and women's rights you know since since inception and so you know when a woman doesn't feel safe we we rally around her if someone doesn't feel safe going to the parking lot or they're you know leaving the office and going to their car we walk them so I need that same sense of, uh, you know, advocacy uh, for issues that don't necessarily affect your community, you know? So it doesn't have to be a hole in your boat for you to understand that there's a hole in mine. And uh, one thing you said, but you, but you said a lot just now, um, and I, I picked no, up a lot. all of that. No, I, 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 we, we love it. But I, it's because it's a conversation happening right now in the zeitgeist and on the Twitters about um, you saying, did you need a, in your mind, you were like, do I need a European partner? partner yeah and there's a whole conversation happening right now about black queer uh men um that end up having white partners that have success um not for us to unpack here but just something that i was like that's a thing that some people think about is like do Mm -hmm. i need that to get ahead um to make me look a certain way to feel more palatable that's that's true Listen, everyone's going to love who they want to love, right? Because no one told me how, who to love or who not to, right? So that's one thing. But it also, that's a sense that sometimes that can also, that's trauma that, you know, yeah. that we've learned. That's trauma that comes from, uh, you know, from literally the plantation. It's, you know, in some way, the Willie Lynch syndrome, if you, not to get too deep. Uh, but I don't think we any, it, that no longer do we have to feel that way uh, to feel empowered. Yeah. Any last? I'm sorry. I, mean, uh, <laughs> no. I, was like, I was like, I felt like I was like cutting. That's all the time we have. <laughs> no, but uh, oh, is that it? That's it, sir. Oh John. my god, I, we it was like we went into a whole other thing. You know? <laughs> um, but no, seriously, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Um, love oh the conversation. God, yeah. Uh, loved all the places it went. And for any of our listeners, uh, we just 
wanted if they haven't if they've been living under a rock and haven't found you how they can find you on social uh and then any upcoming projects or things you have coming going on that you want to share i yeah my social is sir john it's just my name s-i-r-j-o-h-n it's my real name guys sir john since 1982 <laughs> um sir john and i'm same thing on tw- uh TikTok, you know and twitter as well uh and in terms of what do i have coming up i have this is a, a really colorful year um i'm launching a brand i don't i can't really say much about and the rest of my life is usually sort of embargoed, so I can't talk about much. <laughs> but um, watch this space. You know, I think the, the, for me, the, my goal is to make sure that I change the way what a, it looks like to be a makeup artist, what it looks like to be a beauty professional. So I only I take jobs and I take things that can start to carve out a larger road or path for you know people in the space. It doesn't have to start and stop with just makeup. You know, we can all of these things flower or start to color our journey. And um, I just want to be as colorful as possible for the next generation. We love that. And that is all the time we have this week. This season of Surface Level is presented by Moby, Mobilizing Our Brothers Initiative. If you enjoyed this conversation, please keep the conversation going on social. Let us know your thoughts and questions at surfacelevelpodcast.com. And remember, stay curious.